and welcome to episode six of our Realising the Ambition series. We talked previously around transitions and around um, a bit of the background as to what happened in the run-up to the refresh of building the ambition into realising the ambition. And this time we go a little bit further into mind-mindedness with um, some of the background to that. And we also talk a bit around um, child development and the ecological model of ELC. That one for me is really lovely. And I think as you're listening to this, have a think about how your pedagogy and your North Star, your why, will help to guide as you plan for what um, coming back looks like. There are a lot of lovely things going on in this episode, um, so I'm actually not going to say much more. Enjoy. Here we're going to start off with James talking about mind-mindedness. Um, so one of the things that we were exploring um, a little bit last time I spoke with Marion and Lynn way back was around about the idea of being mind-minded and how we can use that to support children to develop yep. their self-regulation and their executive function. But circumstances have changed slightly, so it'd be good to have a kind of chat firstly about where that comes from and the kind of yep. the, the basis, but then also how we yep. can use that as a support for our thinking as we move forwards. Yep. So the idea of mind-mindedness comes from the research of Elizabeth Mines and other psychologists who were trying to dig into the concept of attachment, developmental attachment, and understand what it is that helps children have a sense of a secure base. Mm-hmm. And what they discovered was that the thing that made the difference was not so much what the adults did, but how they thought about the children. So you can ask people to describe children, and they'll either describe them in ways which are kind of physical things that they do, or they'll describe them in terms of thoughts and feelings and character and intentions. And that second cluster is called being mind-minded. So it's when in the moment responding to a child, we're thinking of them in terms of having thoughts and feelings, and whether our interactions and our language reflect that. So you can see it in how people comment on play. They might talk about children's plans. They might talk about the feelings of some of the toys or what the toys are up to. All of those are mind-minded comments. And if they match what's in the child's mind, that's what sets up the bond of attachment. And children then use that to borrow our capacity. And they learn loads about relationships. Mm -hmm. And they learn about language. And they learn about social skills. And they borrow our bigger thinking capacity so they can have bigger thoughts than they would have done otherwise. So that's the idea of mind-mindedness and why it has such a large reach. I think it's a really useful concept, especially at the moment, because with kids probably coming and going in terms of their emotions with kids having all kinds of ways in which they they may have learned loads of things but also may have forgotten loads of things uh having that what's going on in this child's head in this moment approach and trying to match it and respond to it i think that's it's a big get out of jail card for whenever we're stuck about what to do Mm -hmm. okay can i just say that that's what guided um our approach actually and realizing the ambition as in practical help for people to think about this in their practice. And that's why we we ask people to consider that the learning environment isn't just about the spaces that we inhabit, it's about those interactions that we have um, with our children and and with our staff team and and parents and families. And also to really consider 
observe what is observation, what is being child centred, and think about our practice in terms of acting on the feedback of children in terms of their actions, their emotions, and their words. Um, putting words very intentionally last because children tell us so much and communicate so much through, first of all, their actions and their emotions. Could you say a little bit more around what that means in terms of being the me and how we can meet children's needs um, and what adults can do for children, particularly at this time? Yeah, so I think one of the huge strengths of realising the ambition, and this is a bit I was in no way responsible for, so I can say this, <laughs> is it starts with the image of a child. So what, firstly, what do we think children are in general? And it builds up this really beautiful, rich picture of a child as learning, as active, as interactive, as social, as, as a cultural being with plans and ambitions and the ability to change the world and uh, interact with us. But we can also extend that idea, not just what we think about children in general, but who is this child? Mm -hmm. So if we can, in our observations and interactions, come down to how do I see this child with their unique humanness, with their unique bunch of thoughts and plans and feelings and things they want to do, with their unique bunch of what they need to learn and develop in order to do those things, in all their different styles of, of interacting with us and experiencing the environment. You know the way that one child can see a stick totally different to another stick. So it's as well as being seeing me and then thinking about me, reflecting me and responding to, to me. There's all kinds of ways one could extend that idea. So again, in the current context, <clears throat> this child in this moment, what do I see? What is in this space their capacity to manage their feelings? And can I help scaffold that yeah. by providing suitable interactions or experiences? Uh, what's their capacity in this space to seek help? Have they forgotten how to do that? So can I adapt the space to make that easier? Or can I adjust the interactions to compensate for some of the problems they're experiencing in this in this space? So the, the being me, <clears throat> it's a subtitle, it's a hashtag, but it's the foundation of everything. And if we can respond to children as individuals and use our developmental knowledge to do so, then we're all going to be making progress and everyone's going to be making progress. For that to be done successfully, I think we there needs to be that extra um, self-care that comes in because yeah. we're all juggling a whole host of things at the moment in terms of balancing our families, balancing um, our own concerns about what's happening. So in order for us to be in a space where we can do that successfully and where we have spare capacity to be able to offer children some of our own self-regulation ability, yeah. you know, we need this, to take this that. Is where Realising the ambition, it's actually a very revolutionary document. And one of the very subtle things in it is it breaks down the fourth wall. So it breaks down this idea that there's children over there who are developing, and then there's adults over here who are creating an environment in which they can develop and occasionally stepping in. Mm -hmm. The vision in Realising the Ambition is of the setting as a human space yeah. where we are all learning, co-learning, co-developing, co-regulating. We had the most lovely response to a Twitter chat last week when we were talking about how adults can help children to cope with what's going on and, and what settings are likely to be. Um, somebody tweeted back to us, well, you know, the some of the children are going to be helping some of the adults. Yeah. And that's exactly what a human space is, is like. So realising the ambition, it's not simply that 
we have to look after staff so they can look after the children. We have to look after the staff because they are human beings engaged in a human context with yeah. the children. So it, it's part of, I think, as you said earlier, this whole reciprocal circle of, of care and learning together. And that, for me, is quite, quite radical. So it's going to help us now, but I think long term it's going to have a big effect on how we do, we do ALC going forwards. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That, and again, going back to what you said way back was this kind of the, the permission actually to have these conversations and the fact that sharing it yeah. across um, system, at a systems level, but also at a leadership <coughs> level and yeah. across the team, that kind yeah. of communication is going to be absolutely crucial to get it right yeah. at the minute. Yeah. And, and, and I don't think it's permission. I think it's starting to see it as an essential part. So it's not we look after staff so they can then deliver ELC. Looking after staff is part of the delivery of ELC. Yeah. And we have to see that as all as all integrated. So I think the other thing that the being me, an image of a child approach does, is it can give practitioners reassurance that our practice is really founded in the very best of theory and research. And as a sector, we can stand tall. One of the remarkable things about the document for me has been its reception in Scotland from practitioners who belong to all kinds of different approaches to early learning and yeah. child development. So child development is so complex, there isn't a single theory that covers it all. Uh, but we all have our favourite ones. You know. <laughs> so there are, there are Piagetians out there, there are Neo-Piagetians, there are Frobelians, uh, there are Vygotskians, uh, there are even biological determinists. And we all have a bit of a pie, and we're all right about a bit of it, and we're all really, really attached to our bit of a pie and think the other bits of a pie aren't, aren't so, so good. Realising the ambition draws that all together by just saying, think about the child. So, yes, they do construct their own learning, which is very Piagetian. Yes, their access to the environment is mediated by adults, which is Vygotsky. Yes, they are you know, exploring things which are meaningful to them, which is partly captured by by schema approaches Mm -hmm. and other ones. It's located within this general uh, ecological model, uh, which draws a lot on the work of Bronfenbrenner. It's sometimes described as an onion. And this is where we need to see everything as a whole. So we have the child at the centre, but we can't detach them from their families. So children do as well as their families do. We have the practitioners and the provisions around that but children will only do as well as the people who are providing those things will be doing mm-hmm. and vice versa and then around that we need a supportive community if we're in a community where you know people go tut because a toddler's having a tantrum in a supermarket it's less easy for the parent to show the toddler how to self-regulate um, and then surrounding that is policy uh, policy and government and legislation. I think we're at a huge moment in Scotland. It began with the establishment of the earliest task force. Gosh, how long ago was that? The Deacon Report, where actually theory, legislation, policy, practice, and the child's experience can align across all those layers of the onion. And we've got a huge chance in this crisis to start to make that, to make that leap. Again, it comes back to really encouraging people to think about their why. Yes. Yeah. Why do they do what they do in every situation, in every, everything that we mindfully do and, and maybe unintentionally do? It's about 
where do your ideas and thoughts come from and are they right for this point in time? And to constantly reflect and challenge yourself in that way and that's what realising ambition gently but also really intentionally <laughs> challenges people to do. I think I, I would add to that, and, and just building on, you know, James, what you're saying there about, you know, the built on, on theory and, and built on other um, approaches. I think in Scotland we, we do have a wonderful blend of, um, you know, very responsive um, pedagogy and rooted in play. But I also, if I was, you know, reflecting on an approach that really um, floats my boat, um, is that whole thing about regio, about children being competent, mm -hmm. about being really powerful citizens, given the right to, to, to do that, to, to, to be being themselves, being me. Uh, and I kind of little quote from Loris Malaguzzi, um, our task is to help children communicate with the world using all of their potential strengths and languages and to overcome any obstacle presented by our culture. And if I think of the culture we're living in at the moment, we really are going to have to work together and collaborate to make sure that they get the very best out of when they return um, to whatever setting they return to. Absolutely. And I think one of the, the, the two big things that I'm going to take away from the chat today is first that we are enhancing children's present. And so that might well be for some children that it's about you know, their health and well-being needs because they are primal for some of them. But for others, they might actually really need for their health and well-being to be challenged and to be um, extended in their learning so that's that's something that's really going to resonate with me yeah. and maybe nicely to finish off is that one of the things from I think I can't remember which page it is in um, realizing the ambition but it is that we'll always be doing the right thing if we're aware of each child's development and providing interactions and opportunities that match the needs of the child and like you said Lynn that's what we're expert in in the ELC sector we see the child in front of us we start to dig a little deeper and we go from there so yeah we can use that Okay. <laughs> oh, it's from uh, Marion has just said it's page 23. There we go. That's Thank you, Marion. <laughs> um, okay, well, that is uh, nearly an hour of us gassing away. Thank you so much, um, everybody. I really have appreciated your time and it's been a great discussion. Thank you very much. Pleasure. Thank you very much. Fantastic. We'll do it all again. Another thing. Anytime. <laughs> just let me know. <laughs> Well, I feel really lucky to have had the opportunity to speak with James, Marion, Liz and Lynn. Um, and you heard it there. They are happy to come back and chat. So is there is anything that you would like to hear more about or a topic you'd like to hear us discuss, please tweet me on at Bex Carter or at Edin underscore EY. Um, and then I will see what I can do. And also, if you've got any ideas for any other topics you think we should cover, please do let me know. That was, for me, quite a comforting series of conversations because it reminded me that as long as we go back to our why, our North Star, and as long as we stand it on research and theory, that we know already that we've been using to deliver high-quality ELC for our kids and families for um, since day dot, then we'll be doing the right thing. We just need to make sure that we are starting with the children and the families in front of us. Um, the Being Me Blether is on Twitter and that's where um, the authors of Realising the Ambition get together with invited guests and there's a topic 
chat. Um, so I would really encourage you to go and have a look at that. Um, and again, for me, I think the big thing I'm going to take away from this is that as long as we keep reflecting and as long as we keep acting on the knowledge that we get from those reflections and our observations, then we will be doing the right thing and we need to be kind to ourselves and to each other. Thank you so much for listening and um, I hope you are all well and again, keep washing those hands. Okay, bye.